0: Guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benino, and we have with us today Zach Miller. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know who he is. He's one of our case law instructors, maybe the case law instructor for the company. Compliance, retired police officer now, only by a few weeks, and uh, spending a lot of time in the road educating police officers. I uh, mean, Eric, I don't know if I can say your last name. Is that allowed? Yeah, you can say my last name. All right, I'll let. Uh, so, is it Eric Jarns? It's Starnes, S-T-A-R-N-E-S. Okay, so it says E-J-S-T-A-R-N-E-S, and i got to be honest with you, the distance from my place where I'm sitting to the screen that I can see used to not be an issue, Eric, but unfortunately I have crossed over the chasm into my early 40s, and I need glasses again, which is annoying, but I'm not going to wear them because I'm stubborn. So, interestingly enough, we had a topic of debate Eric uh, will give you his credentials. Zach and I, you both know who we are. But Eric is a uh, whatever he wants to reveal about himself. He's more than welcome to how much anonymity he wants to keep during this conversation. But it's a case law discussion today. And it's very interesting that we all came here as professionals looking to have a good conversation. And it's our responsibility to give clarity in certain places that may not some of the case law advice we're giving may not be applicable. So this is a great opportunity for us to have a discussion and namely, benefit some of the people in Texas. And I guess, uh, may have to double check some of their stuff in their state, but without further ado, thank you for being here today, Eric.
1: So I guess if you want me to go into my background, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm a retired police officer. I did 23 years, uh, in the DFW Metroplex. I picked up my law degree along the way while I was working as a police officer graduated law school in 2006, and then um, finished out the last 10 years uh, with ULIS. Found out the DA's office had a bunch of new positions in 2017, so I retired, came to the DA's office, and I was a prosecutor from 2017 until December 31st of 2022. Uh, I ran for a criminal court bench here in Tarrant County. Um and was elected to Tarrant County Criminal Court number seven. Um, and my court here's primarily Class A and Class B misdemeanors. So
0: that's good. that's a nice. It's nice to uh, meet some qualified people in the field who wore the badge before. So again, appreciate you being here, man, taking the time to go through this and benefiting the law enforcement community. So maybe I can uh, lead us into Zach. Why don't you start with? you know, how we ended up here today. And then sure. I'm going to actually remove myself from this a little bit and bear witness as a, uh, as maybe an audience member and maybe heat up my food in the interim and eat while you guys talk.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So I guess it's been a few weeks now. Um, I posted something. I don't remember if it's on the Facebook group or Instagram, wherever it ended up, but it was a um, a post that I did about seeking consent to search when you already have probable cause um and 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 the advice that I gave was that it's it's a good idea um because generally it's a good idea because if let's say I have probable let's do a car example um I have a car and I've got probable cause to search a car however I've arrived at that conclusion I, I believe that I've got probable cause and uh let's say the automobile exception applies so I'm gonna I I have the authority to do a warrantless search of this vehicle um, but before I do that, I, I, I ask the, um, uh, let's just say it's the driver, single-occupant vehicle a driver, ask for consent to search the car. Um, some officers that I've found from, from having conversation with them have been taught or believe that, well, if you ask for consent in that situation, you're somehow undermining your probable cause. You're calling into question whether you actually have probable cause Um, And in my contention is probable cause either it exists or it doesn't Um, and asking for consent your subjective state of mind as the officer is not relevant so whether i'm questioning whether i'm asking consent because i'm questioning it or not doesn't go towards the existence of probable cause, the reason I suggested as a good tactic asking for consent, even though you have probable cause is let's let's say we're now in court and we, we we found you know contraband in the vehicle now there's a motion to suppress that evidence um the prosecutor now has two bases for making that argument um they could go the consent route and if the judge says that's not valid consent uh, for whatever reason then we could fall back on the existence of probable cause and vice versa If maybe the judge determines that was not in fact probable cause, but the prosecutor can argue, well, we also had valid consent, it's another way of getting that evidence admitted. And I I, want to qualify this as from a Fourth Amendment exclusionary rule perspective um, is is what we're talking about. But then Eric um, sent a really uh, interesting uh, text message to Dennis, caught caught my attention, and um, I'll let Eric maybe take it from here, what your point was, which was a good one.
1: So I I don't disagree with your proposition in whole, but I I know that y'all are a nationwide training organization. And in Texas, the exclusionary rule has been codified into the Code of Criminal Procedure 3823. And what that does is it, it, it can be handled through a motion to suppress, but the Statute is more broad than just giving it to the judge. The statute will actually allow for a jury instruction to allow a jury to determine whether whether the evidence should be excluded. And so, the judges judges are very liberal in giving that 3823 instruction because it's where where it comes up. And uh, Zach and I talked about this yesterday. It, it, If it goes to a jury trial, could it look like a sour grape search? So, yes, you have your probable cause, but then you're turning around and asking for consent on top of it. And if you get that denial of consent on it. Yes, you still have your probable cause. But as I explained to Zach, let's take it in terms of a, you know, you walk up to the car window, you smell the odor of marijuana. And. You ask the driver, if you have been smoking weed? And the driver says, well, no, I haven't. Um, then why do I smell marijuana? I don't know why you're smelling marijuana. There's no marijuana here. Well, why don't you step out of the car? They start kind of hem-hawing around with you. May I search your car? No, you can't. And so, well, I've got probable cause I'm to search it anyway. So that will put, and let's say further that you find some sort of felony type drug in that car, but you find no marijuana. So now we have a factual dispute. Did the officer really smell the marijuana or did he make stuff up to go in and and toss the car? Mm -hmm. And so they're going to, at trial, they could create that factual dispute to come in and say, we want this 3823 instruction. Um, You know, and given the the current environment which police are operating in, you know, they'll they will go after that officer's credibility on the stand and then argue that to the jury with the 3823 instruction. My point point is, I I think that officers really need to evaluate that person before they ask for that consent to search uh, in that that type of circumstance. Now, the reality of life is a high 90% of cases end up in a plea agreement but that's just one caveat that can happen in Texas. And as I was talking with uh, Zach yesterday, after I saw after I saw your post, um, my wife uh, was a seventeen year prosecutor. She worked out in a rural county, and they were teaching all their police officers out there. Even if you have PC, always ask for, ask for consent uh, based on that what you'd put out there. Um, I'm in a metropolitan County and juries don't always back up their police officers. So that's just one, one little hangup that I think if you're operating in a state that has a codified, um, exclusionary rule, something to take a look at that. And that's my only point to it.
2: Yeah. and 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 i certainly appreciate the the conversation i thought it was we had a really good conversation yesterday and and i certainly learned a few things i was aware i i do teach my uh case law program in texas regularly so i've, I've been out there um at least a dozen times over the last uh, couple of years and i was i, I was certainly aware of the 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 statutory exclusionary rule in texas um and and i mentioned that in my class because well first of all for a really important point for officers to understand about the difference between a statutory or codified exclusionary rule, as, as they have in Texas, for example, as opposed to a judicially created exclusionary rule, like the Fourth Amendment exclusionary rule was was created by the Supreme Court. Um, this The difference between the two is significant in the fact that a statutory exclusionary rule, when a judge is decide, deciding whether to suppress evidence under that exclusionary rule, using the statutory exclusionary rule, the judge is, is generally obligated or bound by the language of the statute and all of the canons of statutory instruct uh, statutory interpretation that go along with that and in texas for example the plain language of the statute uh it's a very general exclusionary rule uh and it just it says any evidence obtained in violation of a of the federal constitution the state constitution or other or other provision of of the the, the state um uh, procedural code is suppressed is is to be suppressed. Uh, what this means is there are no exceptions to the exclusionary rule in Texas like there are under the Fourth Amendment exclusionary rule. There's about a half a dozen or so ex- exceptions to the exclusionary rule under the Fourth Amendment, uh, and and your officers are familiar with many of them. Good faith reliance on a good faith reliance on a search warrant, good faith reliance on existing uh, binding precedent uh attenuation inevitable discovery independent source all of those um those don't exist in texas because the statute the, the legislature when they drafted the statute didn't include any exceptions in the statute now there is one there is the good faith reliance on a search warrant that's in the that's in the 38.23 um um statute that's the leon versus united states versus leon exception the search warrant requirement or to exception to the exclusionary rule but that's it um so it's a much more restrictive uh uh, exclusionary rule than the federal standard, so I, I would imagine a good defense attorney in Texas, uh, when arguing to have evidence suppressed, is going to argue under the state um, exclusionary rule. But then there's also a part of the exclusion, uh, language in that that statute that I had really just had not paid much attention to, and that's the that's the part that Eric is referencing here. Um, Texas allows for a judge to give a jury instruction on on request of the defense. Where the the jury can weigh in on um, the application of the exclusionary rule. Now, this is limited to factual disputes. Like like in, in Eric's example is a good example, where there's a dispute as to whether the officer actually smelled marijuana. Uh, that's a dis- that's a, a factual dispute, and a ju- or excuse me a jury has the authority to to resolve factual disputes. But if the dispute is just if it's just a legal issue, like like the like the um, uh, for example a, a warrantless search of a car under the automobile exception, uh, whether the the situation, whether in the facts of the case the 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 um, the automobile exception applies or not, um, the judge determines whether okay here's the facts this is what the the situation was uh, this is a clearly a situation where the the automobile exception applies. That is a ruling on, on, on a legal matter, and a jury is not required to or is not allowed to, to, to weigh in on legal matters. But when there are factual disputes, uh, like whether the officer smelled marijuana or not, a jury can weigh in and disagree with the judge. The judge could say, no, I believe the officer is credible. He had probable cause, therefore the warrantless search was was a uh, permissible uh, motion denied. The defense then uh, requests that jury instruction and the jury can weigh in and, and disagree with the judge and say, no, we don't believe the officer uh, and that evidence uh, it could be suppressed in that case. Um, it's It was really it's I had not not really considered the fact that they're uh, how the statutory exclusionary rules apply to those situations. Um, I think it's a real narrow set of situations where that would apply, um, but it's certainly one officers need to be mindful of. But um, if you're in a state that doesn't have a statutory exclusionary rule, uh, I, I think the advice that that we gave would 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 be good advice. But in Texas, it is something to at least um, at least consider. And I thank Eric for for pointing that out
0: to us hey guys if you're enjoying the street cop podcast do us a favor and go give us a review on itunes or spotify wherever you're listening to us tell a friend we don't charge anything for the episodes we appreciate your support check us out on any social platform by putting into the search bar street cop training give us a follow we have a lot of free content coming out every single day that you might not catch here on the podcast and it's important for you to be able to do your job more professionally and we also entertain you as well
1: Well, and I will tell you in Texas, um, and as we discussed it, uh, judges are very liberal liberal in granting that 3823 instruction. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in watching a trial the other day in one of the felony courts and the violation, the traffic violation was as plain as day on the video. And the defense attorney asked for a motion to suppress that was denied by the judge. They turned then turned around and asked for the 3823 instruction into the jury charge. Uh, the judge granted that. That even though, in my opinion, there was no factual dispute, and so I asked the judge. I said, "Why did you grant that 3823 instruction?" He said, <laughs> "Of course." He looked at me and he said, "You sound like a prosecutor." I said, "No, this is a this is a learning learning thing for me since I'm so new to the bench." And he told me, "If you always grant the jury instruction, you will never be overturned." And so for judges, the concern is I don't want to create a reversible error. And so if I give the instruction, then I'm not going to create that reversible error. Um, even in my first trial, when I took the bench, there was a request for a 3823 instruction. I gave it to the defense attorney. You know, the, the 3823 instruction was was the least of the problems in the case. And I, one of my uh, fellow judges um, he, he granted a 3823 instruction, and what it rolled from was the officer stopped him for speeding. The guy says, I wasn't speeding, and that was enough to put it into factual dispute uh, once they played that that video for the jury. So uh, the 3823 instructions come, in, come into these jury charges quite regularly, and most judges that I've seen are um, more likely to grant it than deny it
2: and And that likelihood of granting it is you say is based upon a judge's subjective fear of being overturned by an appellate court. it's It's motivated by that more than anything else you, you would say
1: yeah, based based on what I was uh the discussion I had with the other judge, right. um, you know hmm. in in my trial where I granted the thirty eight twenty three instruction the defense attorney and walked the officer into uh a a question of you know it's on video but you think the jury can make a determination because the video didn't didn't accurately cap i don't want to say accurately captured but based on where his squad car was parked in the in the video camera you couldn't see the light turn red and you couldn't see when she went through the intersection so Based on his answer to the defense attorney, I went ahead and granted that 3823 instruction once he agreed that the jury could make a determination of whether she actually ran red ladder. Hmm.
2: So the video was was inconclusive one way or the other is
1: correct. Yeah, but it's not it's not something I would have suppressed. Okay, the motion to suppress Mm -hmm. had been had been given to me. And and
2: after our conversation yesterday, this I mean my natural instinct was to do some research on the issue and, and find and learn a little bit more about it, and I certainly did. And and I found a couple of of cases um, in the from your court of appeals, your your lower level appellate court, that addressed this issue. And and, and regarding what constitutes a factual dispute, um, I found this case called um, Sanchez versus State. Um, from uh, 2019, it's out of the San Antonio um, uh, Appellate Court, and it was it involved video. It, it looks it seems like most of these cases involve videos or uh, DUI in, in one way or another. It seemed to be what most of the cases I uncovered deal with. But this was a video uh, case. It was an officer saying that he pulled the car over for for failing to use a turn signal, and the dash cam clearly captured the lack of a turn signal. But the defense was arguing about the credibility of the officer um, and whether he could actually tell whether the turn signal uh, was on or not. Uh, The the motion to suppress was based upon a lack of reasonable suspicion to stop the vehicle. Uh, And the Court of Appeals talking about what constitutes a factual dispute says there has to be some kind of affirmative evidence in the record uh, to go to a dispute, so just saying on the part of the defense that oh we we think the officer's not credible, there's no way he could have known that. Um, the defense has has to basically put on evidence that would would um, uh, refute the officer's testimony. In the case of video, the court says that only if the video showed that the officer didn't do something that he said he did do would it constitute a, a material. Um, factual dispute. And then, of course, to be material, uh, that dispute has to be, um, th- if there are other facts for which the motion to suppress could be decided upon, irreg- regardless of this disputed fact, then that makes that fact not material, so it doesn't even come into, into play. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time on the research, but the, the, the several cases that I did discover all of them, the the trial judge uh, refused to give them the the instruction, and the court upheld it. Um, so it, it looks like at least from the appellate court level, they're not as liberal with the giving of the the instruction as the trial court judges are. But I can say from from experience with with trial court judges here in Virginia, I would agree with your contention that most trial court judges, um, a, a lot of trial court judges make decisions of this nature uh with their not being overturned in mind more so than um really diving down into the legal issue in front of them just personal experience so i agree with you on that front
1: well what else would you like to talk about
2: well <laughs> it looks like it looks like we might have lost Dennis um i, t- I told him last night that i talked to you and i said listen this is about maybe a 10-15 minute discussion at best. Um. But uh, I think we. I think the discussions run its course. I think I think the people that would find this interesting uh, would be people like yourself in the group that are either prosecutors or judges or um, not necessarily police officers. It's really pretty procedural. But I like your advice though about you know sizing up the person before you seek consent um, with this in mind. So that's, I think it's good good advice for officers. Um.
1: And I think knowing, knowing your location too, it, you know, as we talked about, you get into the rural communities that are more uh, pro-enforce the laws. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna run into those kind of problems like you will, say in your your Houston's, your Dallas's, your Fort Worth's, your uh, San Antonio's. You know where where jurors' mindsets are a lot different.
2: Sure, and that's one of the obvious the the, the realities. You know, you know we a lot of times you know I, at least from the legal perspective i operate in a you know a uh a scenario where a situation where you know the, a judge is properly applying the a law uh, the jury the juror is is objectively evaluating the facts but in reality that's not how how our system operates and i'm not, i'm not so naive to to think that's the case or isn't the case but you know when when you go around and you teach Case law seminars to different officers in different states. It's, you know, it's kind of hard to craft your presentation based upon the idiosyncrasies of your particular judge or um, your particular prosecutor's office. So I always give the disclaimer: this is I'm I'm telling you what the law is, uh, and whether or not your 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 trial court judge or your prosecutor properly applies the law. That's beyond the scope of this class and my authority good talking to you eric
1: all right y'all have a good one all
2: right you too take care
0: guys if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes but we're not close to you fret not we actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com you can take that course online right now and then You could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher so you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum, going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.